Welcome to the Transcendental Journeys podcast. Each episode is a unique combination of contemporary and archival recordings with interviews, shamanic sounds, nature ambiance, and travel stories. Your host, Omananda, a three decades world traveler, German filmmaker, artist, and author, also known as Torsten Klimmer, who wrote Transcendental Journeys, a visionary quest for freedom, presents emerging solution-based progressive, and evolutionary concepts in this unconventional broadcast. We hope you enjoy the show and come back for more, since each episode is distinctly different and one of its kind. So hi, today I'm here in... Uh, country in the world on this beautiful planet with two amazing people that I was fortunate to get to know, Hugo and Amanda. And I'm just going to introduce Hugo here, who has been a Sundancer or is a Sundancer for 21 years of the Lakota nation who has taught him. And the Sundance is a powerful North American spiritual practice, uh, part of the tradition that prepares the warriors to, to become fully, well, let's say, man. <laughs> uh, women can also dance there, but we're not going to talk about the sun dance today. He's also a roadman, that means someone who guides the road for others and teaches people as part of the Native American Church of America, and that is a tradition that uses peyote, and a legal uh, psychoactive plant of Mexico and North America, and the indigenous people of many tribes use that. And Hugo and Amanda have been in Standing Rock, which is a place where the native people from many different tribes and traditions came together to make a stand against the multinational corporations and the US government who wanted and is doing a pipeline under a water reservoir that gives clean water to many people. And today I'd really like to hear what Hugo and Amanda have to say about their experience being there. From your experience of being at Standing Rock and having confronted your own government in the sense from the perspective of the First Nation indigenous people's viewpoint. What was your experience of that, seeing your government putting their forces against you and the people that care for this earth? I remember hearing uh, my elders telling me about 20 years ago that the next war was going to be about water. And I remember that um, being told that, that we were going to be the enemies. And I never understood how this could ever become a reality mm, or how it could be that, we're, that um, the people that are praying to protect the sacred are portrayed as the bad guys. So, um, but somehow that is what happens in, uh, through the power of the mainstream media. And 
So how I felt about it, um, it's how I felt about it is it's it's something that I've been seeing all along, and um, it's just now how other people feel about seeing it, really. Because for me, it's how it is. I'm I'm aware. Yeah, the pipeline was transporting or is transporting oil. And the concern of the people was not about the oil to disrupt that flow, but to protect the water. Right. Right. So for from the two different sides, it was about two different things. In a way, because the, the law enforcement was wanting the flow of the pipeline to the building of the pipeline to be continued whereas the native people weren't that concerned about the oil other than it would pollute the river right makes you wonder why why are they so concerned for the flow of the pipeline when the water is the more important thing exactly especially the, all this oil was to be exported so did you observe anything that came from the power of the people to unite that came out as a positive result? Because the way I observed it when I looked at the news at the time was that there was a moment when the native people succeeded and sort of came to a point of victory, at least with the Obama administration, that the deal was made, right? Yep, that was December 4th. When... Well... To answer the question um, on that is, um, number one, um, I saw the unifying of the people for a cause to be really good medicine for people from all around the world. Uh, people felt um, the people felt the sense of belonging, and uh, particularly on the reservation with such high rates of Suicide, uh, the suicide being so high, suicide rate being so high, the levels of alcoholism and drug abuse also being so high per capita. Um, you saw all of this numbers lower or diminish um, during the time of Standing Rock because the people all of a sudden had something to pray about, something to where they can make a difference because um, unfortunately these, these um, Places that we're that we're going to call reservations are are pretty much designed and made to you know to finish our peoples um, physically uh, by the food and uh, what they send there and uh, spiritually and also um, mentally and emotionally um, by the lack of opportunities that is um, available to them on the reservation and uh, creates an environment for people to essentially um, ultimately um, the ones that can't take it anymore to become suicidal or to turn to drugs and alcohol for uh, self-medication self-medicate purposes and uh, it's something really sad and I feel that all of that Stanley Rock for the time that it happened and until now, I think it has changed many people's lives, many of the youth's lives. Um, 
as each and every one of them saw what bringing together people, what people coming together for prayer can do um, to make a change and to um, do something significant. And um, I remember this time that you're speaking of. Um, I have a soundbite of that I'll share with you. Um, Amanda and I were standing there and, uh, and uh, at the sacred fire at Osheti Shakon and uh, all the veterans were there and it was like there was like four or five thousand of them and they were all geared up and ready to go and the idea was that they were going to all go to the front lines to this bridge where it was this barricade and all the water protectors were going to come behind them and you know, then after that, it was unclear of what was going to happen. And so it became a big chess game. It became a total chess game. It was like, it seemed to be uh, very timely that on the day before the direct action to go to the front lines, um, that DAPO announced that... Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm announcing it the way that Chief, that Chief Harville looking at her said it, that um, the Army Corps of Engineers and the Obama administration were denying the permits to DAPL. And so when they announced this was around midday on December 4th or December 5th, um, I think it was the 4th, and um, it was cause for big celebration. Oh, at that at that time, I guess every, they kind of knew that what was going to happen, and or, or they already kind of had, had had gotten the news, or somehow we were doing at the same time we were doing a, a giant prayer circle. Everybody was holding hands around the whole camp, and the whole camp, and everybody was in, uh, holding hands, and everybody was in prayer, and then. Uh, uh, the, the chief Arvo looking horse came out and told everyone and um, we were fortunate enough that Amanda was standing right in front of him with the, with the camera pointed at him when he gave the announcement and I was two people over and um, this was the day that we were all preparing to go to to the front lines to see what was going to happen and nobody really knows what was going to happen or, or, or what it was because everything was so hush hush about everything and everything and this is where i say that the big chess game came in because we had all the veterans that were going to go to the front line then um the army corps of engineers announces that there's no that there's no permit so everybody celebrates and at the same time it kind of diffuses all the pressure that had built up that we were going to go tomorrow morning to do this um and so it like took the air out of all it took it took the pressure out of a lot of things and next thing you know um so a couple thousand people a couple thousand soldiers or veterans come to the front lines and start lining up on the road and then all the rest of the people, um, all the rest of the people uh, were, were lining up, filing up behind, behind them. And uh, well, it's quite, quite a day. I remember it was really windy and snowy and the snow was going sideways. And it was like 
within 10 minutes of standing out there everybody was covered half of the half of your body was covered in snow and there was people standing out there with flags and the Mexica dancers were dancing and um, there was some good songs happening and we get to the front to the very front and there's nobody uh, on the other side there's nobody there's no there's no one or nothing there and so it seemed like they didn't show up and it was open for the for what you know that was the, the next thing was what do we do now or what what's going to happen now and you know all along and thank god for the elders and for the, the the people that were really mindful there with the with the prayer that they were there to pray and to be peaceful um that were that had already anticipated um any reactions of the water protectors uh, being finding that they go to the front lines and that nobody that nobody showed that they go to the front lines and nobody showed up to to be there to um, they were kind of holding and and protecting a, a drill pad and that's what they that, that's what the, the police was had created a barricade across a bridge so that none of the water protectors can go across the bridge which would be that much closer to the drill pad which was they had the pipeline built all the way from one side of the uh, of the river and the and the other side and all they had to do was just dig the, the hole underneath the river and they were pretty much done with construction and they were done with construction everywhere else except for this was the one place that connected it all and uh I remember that um at this there was a lot of press at the time by now that um there was all of these big news um, buses and trucks were there and it was being covered by um, media worldwide um, how much coverage they actually got uh, you know that's what whatever that's but at least they were there to document i guess and um or to see what was going to happen and so when a lot of these um, water protectors wanted to move forward it, and the, the people um, at some point made a human chain and protected the bridge from the water protectors not going across the bridge um, later. And so there was a confrontation there for a moment uh, with a few individuals that were questioning um, what were even those people that were praying's motives and like, you know, there was a lot happening at the time and it was just like, there was a lot that was being said. I remember one of the comments I heard was that we weren't prepared to stay to, to if we were going to take the, the drill pad to stay out there through that storm or that we weren't, that once you make a move like that, you have to stay there. So everybody was sent back and it seems like the... Um, that Dapple tried to entice the people into attacking the drill pad by announcing that they didn't care that they weren't going to get the permit that they were just going to drill anyways and pay the fine daily because the daily fine uh, was peanuts compared to how much they were going to make by having the pipeline up and running so this infuriated a lot of people and um 
they wanted to go and, and stop it. But then we would not be peaceful and we would not be just praying and we would not be um, water protectors, but we would be damaging some property, right? And this is kind of what they wanted us to do because they're insured for riot and natural disaster and riot are the, are the, the clauses that were um, how they would get paid. So they were, since they got stopped for the permits, they were hoping that the water protectors were going to turn violent. And um, uh, after all the abuse that they had received for months to um, take uh, this that was being offered at the time. Um, so we saw um, some of these moves knowing later in retrospect that, you know, that the, at the, by this time, this is this is December 5th, so by this time the Obama administration knows that it's leaving the White House to Donald Trump. And uh, the, he gives the order to stop, knowing, knowing that um, it will be restarted as soon as um, Donald Trump takes office. And it was one of the first, I think it was for sure, one of the first five or one of the first three... Um, things that moves that he made when he walked into the White House and that was to get that pipeline up and going again um, and uh, the water protectors knew that all this was coming too um, so nobody really left after this announcement that they weren't going to build the pipeline but um, they were making the uh, now the media was covering that there was a lot of water protectors still there, even though after the Obama administration had said that they um, were not going to build it. And now they were in danger because they were camped in a flood zone and that spring was around the corner, but we were just in January. This was just January. And, uh, and so there's a lot involved and, um, there's a lot involved, uh, everything from, um, there's a lot uh, intertwined, like the spider makes its web and how everything's connected. But where we are today, um, you know, I can still see the goodness that it did. But the pipeline was built and how long were you there? And it must have been cold then in the winter. The pipeline was uh, ultimately built and is now flowing. Under the river? Yeah. Yeah. It's built and flowing. Um, but it created an awareness of the indigenous people. Or maybe their fire was, um, was um, burning still with red hot embers but the flames had gone down, but I feel like this somehow like twisted those logs of wood and moved those charcoals up and, and um, gave some air to that fire that is now burning stronger. And uh, because they know that they're able to make a difference if they come together and that the power of prayer is so powerful, so powerful that it can make governments stand up and 
bring weapons and bring bulletproof um, gear and vehicles and bring um, gas and chemical warfare to um, stop people from praying. I remember that going out there to to the um, to the front lines and seeing it all happen, and then it thought, and then it hit me. It hit me when we came back to camp that um, because it, it was so strange, but the, the 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 camps the camps were 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 completely filled with infiltrators. And uh, people were just walking around asking like how long you've been there and like what you were doing and and uh, and I remember that at some point there was a woman at some point and she began to say that that black water was um, was there and that they had the place surrounded and that they were gonna that they had um, planted some guns on in the in the campgrounds and that uh, they were gonna come in and that they were gonna you know um, come in. What and, is black water? Um, she was talking about um, private contractors and uh, like construction workers. No, no, private contractors for security services. Uh, and they're like co-op, you know, they're like coverted operation. Some people call them private mercenaries. Like people who get contracted to kill people. Yeah. Not necessarily to kill, but um, if that's what it takes to protect the corporation, then that's what they do. But the point is, in this case, it has actually been proven that at Standing Rock, Dapple has hired and used um, white, was it Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Swan, Tiger Swan, uh, um, private contractor company to um, do a study of the water protectors and um, give an assessment to the local law enforcement of who it was that they were, that they were um, working against. So these um, private contractors were people that were inside um, Standing Rock. And uh, there was also a person who was um, cornered um, and wrangled by the water protectors and cornered to a point where the guy pulled out a, a, a automatic rifle or semi-automatic rifle, I should say. And... Uh, and was pointing it at the water protectors and finally he was talked he was talked down by uh, a person who talked him down or um, to put the gun down um, and they found inside the uh, the vehicle uh, insurance com uh, card and um, his work identification for Dapple so he worked for Dapple his car was insured by the Dakota Access Pipeline. And um, the young man that talked him down was brought on charges. And so it's, you know, it's upside down. The whole, the whole thing is, is, um, it kind of, it's upside down.
it's upside down. The whole thing is upside down. And it's like, it just reminds me of the words of um, John Trudell. You know, I, I, I'm not able to to um, quote him, but I know I can paraphrase him when he said that uh, the big lie is that this is civilization. You know, that this is civilization. And if, and if this is civilization, in fact, civilization, then, then, then the lie is that it's good. So that's how I feel about the whole, the whole story. But overall, I see the goodness that it brought to the people. And how does it apply to today, to where we are now? We are in June, shortly before the solstice of. 2018 and what do you see like for the people and the planet and where we're at as a species what can we do what can we learn from that how can we find a way to cohabit it peacefully what is what is coming or what can we do as an individual well i'm not sure that i hold the answers to all that or i can even begin to grasp at all of that i can just say that Myself, I can just pray about things, pray about it. But you also make movies. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, we make these short, we make these short stories. We make these short stories. It's called Tomorrow's Ancestors Speak. It's a project that we've been working on for some years um, to get the word out there to our relatives that are in living in the cities and don't have the guidance of an elder or can also be a message of a public archive that is left to our descendants that they'll find sometime in the future um, made by their ancestors. And so that's where the tomorrow's ancestors speak. Um, it's stories of elders and it's the message of how people take care of the water in different parts of the world um, mostly we're talking to elders and some youth and community and different kinds of uh, leaders that can make a difference and they all have their message on how we can make a difference on um, how we can make a difference in today's and today in the everyday life so if you want to hear those stories you can check it out at tomorrow's ancestors speak dot org oh yes and like um, us on facebook too yeah that's a beautiful project i personally connect with very well um i remember some years ago when i met you first you said that praying is not enough because you were praying pretty hard there and so you wanted to do something as well that is more also making an impact and inspiring people other than the, the prayer um prayer is powerful yes yeah very very yep I, this is like whenever people whenever I, I explain this project um i guess every time you'll hear something different in amanda will also probably always say something different about what was our inspiration or what is our idea uh or what or what's our or what we're trying to accomplish um but I think that not on what we're trying to accomplish, but what what's our idea and all that. It just kind of shifts and changes. And every time 
you know, we see different, uh, there's a different way to look at it every, every day, depending on what's happening in the world. But, uh, you know, definitely power of prayer and can, can do miracles. Yeah. And I guess the connection is water here. I mean, Standing Rock was about water mm-hmm. and what is about water and uh, your project is inspired to water and i feel some beautiful prayers from amanda and you about the water and i believe in the few little moments when we sat together in ceremony the prayers that you made and the presentation that you also made up in the north inspired many others to continue to pray similar to this about the water of the people that were present there i remember that so you definitely, you may have an impact. And um, yeah, here we are lucky to drink very good water. Uh, many people don't have that uh, advantage. This is a basic right. Mm-hmm. And we are on a water planet and we are made of water and we are the planet. And uh, So we have a prayer now um, that we want to pass on and maybe all the listeners can help us out with this prayer and that prayer is that um that water and this that water all over the world and everywhere is recognized as a living being and can receive the same rights as a human being or any living being has in their laws in in their countries individually and in uh, different kinds of uh multi-country with the United Nations and everywhere like this that it can be uh, recognized that does that water can be recognized as a living being mm-hmm. oh. well thanks for uh, speaking here today is there something that Amanda would like to say but I would really, <laughs> yeah, I would really love you to say something because <laughs> I like the way you speak and well, there's so much that could still be said, um, but overall, you know, just how you're saying how the ripple effect of prayers, how we come and we pray, and then it influences other people to pray in that way. This is exactly what has happened through Standing Rock, is everybody came together, and it was really for the first time that so many different types of people came together just to recognize that yes water is the source of life and above everything else that we're doing on this planet we need to be showing her respect and protecting her and um so people were able to come together for once to protect the source of life and it enabled people to get past their differences and to really recognize that concept of all of my relations and to recognize the interconnectedness interconnected nature that we have through the water and um, so I think it was like over 300 tribes got together for the first time and what was the last time never that many tribes ever I don't think and so brought that many tribes together then also all of the people that have come to live in the United States now and all over the world so it took um, a good amount of Forgiveness was going on. Um, the military forces came and apologized to Chief Leonard Crowdog and offered their um, apology for what had happened to their people. And 
what has become of things. And so Chief Crow Dog offered his forgiveness. And this was big. You know, a lot of the natives had to forgive in order to join in the battle together that we were all engaging in. And it's just really a battle to protect what is sacred in the world and to recognize that sacredness within everybody. And so I feel like um, it got everybody together and it showed the power of coming together, coming together to speak up for those things in life that don't really have a voice and to really just show what this next generation is going to be bringing and the, the reality that is, you know, with all of our prayers answered, going to be created. And um, very difficult to not get off topic with this. <laughs> but, you know, I noticed one thing um, at the front lines were these people that were well overly armored in every way to protect themselves, although they were the ones carrying dangerous weapons, and they were having to face grandmothers and women and children and people of all all sorts and it really I feel like it made a big impact in that way because you can't unless you don't have a functioning heart you can't see that a corporation should have more protection than women children and families and so, um, this is, it kind of reminds me of a Mayan elder who said that the modern colonizers of today are the corporations. And this is true and it unites all of us and makes all of us those people who are trying to resist the colonization of the corporation that is literally destroying the whole planet with their greed. And so, it reevaluated for people, it offered everybody around the world really a chance to question whether their line of work was a line of work that was going to create a more healthy, loving, just world, or if it was working to protect this corporate greed that causes all this destruction and harm and really jeopardizes our chances of continuing on on this planet in a good, beautiful way. And so, um, I wanted to say those things, and, um, I think can leave it at that, but just that, um, we saw all over the world that it was like, um, just a little power source of inspiration, because after Standing Rock now, there's, I don't know, hundreds of places now all over the world where people have come together at different sites, different mining sites, different pipe sites, hydroelectric, um, coal mining, gold mining, all these different minings, and they've come together and they've stood up and they've given their power in numbers and they've shown that they're willing to stand for what's right. And this is where we can really inspire one another and this is where we can really remember what it is to be a human being and that is to give life and to protect life and to be that life that is full of gratitude for all of life. So I think it's really beautiful how uh, this 
this immune system is growing across the planet, so to speak. And I just pray that all the water protectors of the world will always have all the fresh, abundant water that they need and clean food and comfortable, clean places to stay so that they can be um, supported, so that they can continue supporting the future of all of our lives on this beautiful planet. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. For sharing that, both of you. I guess a small a part that I do want to mention too was the beauty of how well everything functioned there because um, it was kind of our chief Leonard Crudog Jr. He always talks about how we need to re-tribalize, you know, in regards to this idea of a colonialist mindset and this and that instead of speaking in that negative form we can speak in the positive form and saying we need to retribalize and that's what was happening there was that everybody was coming together and there were kitchens everywhere and every day you know you'd wake up and you walk to the kitchen and if there were enough people there then you you know continue on you see is okay is there enough people chopping firewood okay is there enough people helping to build homes? Okay, and you go on until you find what you need to do for that day. But always, every day, there was more than enough people preparing food in the kitchen. We had an overabundance of food from small local farmers that had donated things, and we were so well fed there. And so with the kitchens, and then just every day at the fire coming together to share prayers, to share songs, to share stories, to share dreams, and just really reuniting around the fire and coming together to physically work together too, recognizing that there's a physical part to the prayer where to manifest it, it needs real hands and feet and bodies. And so seeing everybody working together and doing things that nobody could have done by themselves and really literally building a community. And this is where we need to be. We need to reconnect with one another. We need to remember that power that is increased when we work together and that we can do things that have literally never been seen before in history just like what happened at Standing Rock. It's like we have a huge potential if we can just learn to work together and to work for those things that we all share in common which is you know just that the blood of the planet earth that water. So I wanted to add that. <laughs> that is so true very important yes. That's always what I felt the indigenous people when they're still living in their villages as they partially do in the Amazon and live in little pockets. They have that knowledge of the whole tribe. They're, 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 they're thinking not just for the individual but for the whole. And when we learn how to do that, we'll be able to live with each other peacefully.
All contents of this podcast are protected by international copyright 2018 and intended for your personal enjoyment only. Please refrain from posting any of it online or copying it in any other way. Giving a copy to one of your friends is fine, but if you really want to support the author, post the website on your social media platforms and visit transcendentaljourneys.com, where you can also find the ebook and the printed version. Watch related videos, listen to the podcast, and leave a review. 